You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's shake it. Um, Will Americans get a raise this year? Oh, God. Welcome back to the Bloomberg Benchmark Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Stillwell, an economics reporter with Bloomberg News in D.C., and I am joined by my colleagues and co-hosts, Dan Moss, who's our executive editor in D.C., and Aki Ito, our editor for Benchmark, who's been upgraded to a co-host. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) And she's visiting D.C., so we're all in one room. Hey! For those of you tuning in for the first time, Benchmark is a podcast about numbers, but much more about the ideas that drive the global economy, told to you in the least boring way possible. Be sure to check out our inaugural episode we released last week, the US economy's silent menace about the slowdown in productivity and our bonus show on the market tumult in China that we released just the other day. We are recording this on Wednesday, September 16th, which is the day before probably the most important Federal Reserve announcement in years. Dan, is that an exaggeration? I don't think it's an exaggeration. At least half the economists we've surveyed predict an interest rate increase. That'll be the first in almost a decade. Yeah, so the I'm not saying we're predicting it, though. <laughs> you know, the 100-plus economists that we've surveyed at Bloomberg are very evenly split on this, with a slight lean toward the Fed not hiking interest rates. So, Tori, would you care to give us a prediction? Um, because by the time uh, our listeners hear this podcast, we will all know whether the Fed did or didn't do it. Right. So I think I mean we're kind of well versed on why it's a pretty close call. You know, the labor market's been getting better, but inflation is sort of not anywhere close to the Fed's target. Um, and you've got all this market upheaval going. All right, on. Tori, stop hedging. Give right. us your answer. My call. I think that they will not go. All right. What about you, Dan? Well, in the don't column, we have financial markets which some have described as volatile recently. We've got the global economy. We've got inflation, which is nowhere near their target, and inflation expectations, which are drifting down, and a thing called the balance of risks. They say they're data dependent, but that could also mean what is the risk to the outlook for the data. So what's your call? Tori, you've got something there in front of you. (laughs) Wait, Dan, I want to know your call first. Shake that thing in front of you. Okay, for our listeners out there, my call is that the Fed will go. So it's pretty close. And we were thinking about this, like, how can we get a definitive answer? Um, I don't know if any of you all out there ever had a magic eight ball as kids, but I did. And it's how I solved all of my problems, basically. (laughs) So we ran out 
made a target run yesterday after work and got a magic eight ball. We're going to shake it and find out. Yeah. All right. Let's Give do it. Give it a go. Will the Fed raise interest rates in its September gathering? The answer is... Oh. Oh, tell us. My sources say no. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, we look forward to actually getting the answer to that. On to today's business, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty related. Yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about something very related about paychecks, which also is one of my favorite topics because I like getting paid. Um, we'll be talking about my paycheck and your paycheck and everyone's paycheck in America, what's been happening to it and what will happen to it over the next few years. For our listeners out there, Dan is a bazillion levels above (laughs) me and Tori, so he might have some special insight into my specific paycheck. So let's just say I would absolutely love a raise. Yeah, this won't be awkward at all for Dan. Dan is smiling. He's he's not commenting. He's not touching this. (laughs) Wait for the year-end review. Hopefully I will get a raise. Um, let's let's get to it. Tori, set the stage for us here. What's been happening to paychecks in America? So I think just as succinctly as possible, we can say paychecks don't look great right now. You know, we're in our seventh year of economic recovery and wages are stagnant. They aren't really improving, especially at the rate that you would expect with a decent clip of payroll growth that we've been seeing you know, with people getting jobs, with things just generally improving, with sectors of the economy coming back, you would expect people's paychecks to bounce back too, and that's just not happening. So, well, when you say they're not moving, I mean, are you really saying this, that the numbers when they come out every month and every quarter are saying zero, 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 zero? What do you mean by okay. that? Okay, well, let me let me break down the numbers for you. So we look at, and I would say most economists look at um, the average hourly earnings figures from the Labor Department. It's this probably, comes out every month, right? Right, with the employment report. It's probably the most widely watched uh, gauge. That tells us that in August, hourly earnings grew 2.2% from the year before. So the average for the entire recovery, which started in June 2009, is 2%. So we're right there with average. There's been basically no pickup at all. And what normal is, economists have indicated, is somewhere around 3 to 4%. The historical norm, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're not anywhere close where we used to be. That's really depressing. Let me just pull you up on that one. I mean, the economy's been growing on average between 2 to 3% for that period of time. So does the figure that you're describing really seem that out of whack? Now, granted, you know, compared with the 90s or the early aughts, it's certainly not up there. But the expansion's not up there with the 90s or the early aughts either. So is it really that bad? Well, let me give you more data, and this is coming from the Census Bureau's report on income and poverty, which just came out this morning. Basically, what that told us is that median household income is still 6.5% lower than in 2007. So with GDP, if you just take the overall level of GDP, that number keeps going up and up and up, right? The percent change may be different, but the level goes up. You would sort of expect income to do the same thing. Over time, our standard of our living increases, but that hasn't really been the case. We're still sort of clawing our way out of this hole that was created during the recession. 
and things just aren't as good as people would like them to be. So this is not just a sort of a feeling perception thing. You're saying this is grounded in real data. Exactly. And I think it's probably one of the reasons that people have felt like the recovery has been so lackluster. Pretty depressing stuff. So, you know, you said this is a big mystery as to why this is happening. You know, the job market's doing pretty well now, but wages still aren't picking up. Uh, give us a couple theories as to why economists think this uh, mystery exists. I mean, Ahisa used to be a reporter for the San Francisco Fed. So right. the theory that's come out of that shop is, I think, one of the most intriguing Mm -hmm. And I think you know that. Yeah, so it's called the pent-up wage deflation theory, and it means, you know, back in the recession, the economy got really bad, so what companies really wanted to do was cut the wages of their existing employees. But there's kind of this like psychological barrier among employers as to actually dropping people's wages. They think it's like a big insult to actually cut someone's salary. So instead, what a lot of companies did was they kept it at zero um, or a very small positive rate and then instead waited and waited and waited and kept it at that very, very low level until finally the economy caught up to the point where they can start um, accelerating people's raises. And one, one theory is that that point just hasn't come yet, that that demand hasn't picked up enough to get there. Right. So there's still maybe a decent amount of slack out there that perhaps isn't being picked up by the unemployment rate, which is pretty low. It's at 5.1% within the range that Federal Reserve policymakers consider full employment. But, you know, we do have, we've seen surveys, one from the Fed itself, that show people are willing to work more hours at the same wage. They, they wouldn't even ask for a raise. So that's, a, that's an example of slack. Maybe there are these people out there who are just willing to take jobs at whatever price they can get. Well, the economy's been growing since 2009. That may surprise many people, but you know, nevertheless, that's a fact. Aki, if not now, when? Well, we're waiting. <laughs> Dan, I'm waiting. <laughs> I am waiting. I mean, one of the other theories out there is that, you know, if our listeners have listened to our very first episode, they will know that productivity growth in the U.S. has been very low. So, in the recovery, yeah. That's right, um, over the past few years. So, you know, it could be that workers just don't, quote unquote, deserve a raise just because they haven't been adding as much value to the economy. And then there's also the theory that companies are substituting perks like unlimited vacation, paid vacation. Dan, please keep paying attention. <laughs> um, they're substituting those types of things for actual pay increases. So, you know, people may be getting these sorts of bonuses, but their actual salary may not be going up. Right. So... Basically, the truth is everyone's pretty stumped on this one. You know, Econ 101 tells you that as the supply of workers goes down, the price they can command should go up. That's not happening. It's one of the many ways that real life, unfortunately, doesn't adhere to our tidy theories right. in the economy. But, you know, we started this episode with a very big question. Will you get a raise this year? Tori, what's the answer? It's so disappointing. I would say the best answer <laughs> is it depends. And that's a frustrating answer for many people, but it really does. So one big thing that it depends on is your industry. And I think that this has been the case for wages 
forever. Basically. Yeah, it, it always <laughs> depends on the specific job that you have. Exactly. There's this thing called the Jolt Survey. And that is an economics reporter shorthand <laughs> for the job openings and labor turnover survey produced by the Labor Department. Now, this might sound like a pretty obscure number. It's not, I mean, though. it sounds like something that happens when Magnus, our producer, sticks his fingers into a power socket. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about this and why Fed Chair Yellen follows it. So it, we can see, you know, how many people are quitting their jobs. We can see how many job openings there are. We can see what industries those openings are in. So we can see layoffs, other discharges. It's a, it's a pretty important survey, and it's one that Fed Chair Yellen ch follows closely, as you noted, Dan. By the way, how many does she follow? A lot. Yeah, she's got a whole dashboard. Tons. <laughs> <laughs> a whole suitcase of them. So we looked at this survey to get an idea of how many unemployed workers are competing for each job opening in an industry? The idea is that if you've got fewer people out there that are competing for jobs, you know, employers have fewer people to pull from, they're going to have to start bidding up wages so they can either poach people or they can attract the best and brightest. So, shall we dig in? Yeah. All right. So for the U.S., this ratio, the number of unemployed people per opening, is 1.4. Mm -hmm. Let's run through the industries. How do you get four-tenths of a person? <laughs> are these workers that are walking around just with their, hips. their torsos? Just, and, yeah, just, okay. just halfway. <laughs> so looking at the remember industries. Remember what we said. This is about the real world, not about numbers. But you're getting to the point, right? I'm getting, right. I'm getting there. So looking at the industries and their, you know, associated ratios, we'll go in order from uh, smallest to largest. So with the smallest ratio, we have financial activities. It's 0.6. And then from there, we have professional business services, education and health services, information, retail and wholesale trade, and leisure and hospitality. All of these industries have ratios that are smaller than the U.S.'s overall. So these are the good industries to be in, right, if right. you want your wages to go up. Right. These industries are tighter than the overall U.S. labor market, so there's going to be a little bit more competition in terms of employers and who they have to pick from and hire from. Uh-huh. And then for those that have a little more slack, we have transportation and utilities, manufacturing, and construction. So you'll notice that these are all three of these are you know really cyclical industries. They all got hurt pretty badly during the recession, and they're all still trying to recover. So there, are, you know, companies have more people to choose from. So people who are in those industries have poor prospects for getting a raise this year relative to the others. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. What about the U.S. manufacturing renaissance some of us have heard about? How come manufacturing really doesn't feature strongly here? I don't know about that. The manufacturing data has been pretty shaky lately. You know, the, the U.S. dollar has been appreciating and global growth hasn't been stellar either. So manufacturers in the U.S. have been having a pretty hard time. So 
that may have something to do with it as well. Our colleague's show uh, moved this really interesting story back a couple weeks ago based on a report from the staffing firm, um, Robert Half. And that showed that white-collar workers are probably going to get a very big pay boost next year. Um, they looked at uh, starting salaries, and they found that the numbers should be the best in eight years or something like that. So that's pretty exciting if um, you have a professional job. Right. You know, the best industry to be in right now is uh, surprise, surprise technology. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of my friends in San Francisco will be very happy to hear this. For example, if you are a big data engineer, you could probably snag a starting pay of between $129,000 and a half dollars to $183,000. So that's a 9% jump from 2015. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and if, so if you're, you know, an app developer or like a security analyst or like a UX specialist, you know, those are really good jobs to be in too. So once again, a great time to be in tech exactly. and also a pretty good time to be in very specialized roles like that. Well, that's very encouraging for those folks. I wonder if we ought to take a step back and you know, ask ourselves a different question. We've been asking, why, why, why? Why hasn't this happened? Why is this perception that it hasn't kicked in? Maybe we should be asking ourselves, why not? Perhaps the answer lies in the absence of any real inflationary pressures. Tori, you wrote about this just today. Yeah, I mean... I'm inclined to think that inflation provides a little bit of a silver lining here because inflation has been really subdued for a lot of the recovery. So that means that, you know, paychecks aren't going up a ton, um, but at least inflation isn't either. So it's not like your entire paycheck, your entire raise, I should say, is being eaten up by inflation. But you're right. If there's if there's lack of inflation in the U.S. economy right now, you know, Employers aren't sitting there being like, gosh, prices are rising so much. My employers are, or my employees are about to revolt if I don't give them a raise. So I don't have to. And in this story uh, you published today called Fed Can Thank Amazon Uber for Streak of Inflation Misses, you're actually posing the question of whether the technology that Aki just praised as a potential raise bearer if that's the word or the phrase to use, could it be working the other way as well, Aki, in terms of holding inflation down? So some employers can say, look, inflation is one, one and a half percent. Why the heck do you need a raise? Right, exactly. And I think this is really important to the whole wages are not growing idea in the sense that for many people, especially coming out of the recovery, which is driven by a credit boom and bust, they're making their spending decisions on what their paycheck looks like. You know, Americans haven't been taking out a ton of debt in the wake of the recession. It seems like they sort of learned their lesson. They got badly burned, and now they're working on paying that debt down and acquiring new debt really slowly. So mm -hmm. it's got huge implications for our economy because what they can spend is based on what they make. And if they're not making a lot more, they're probably not going to be able to spend a lot more. Right, right, right. And we should also, you know, note this other caveat that although, you know, when you look at the average or the median, people's wages haven't been growing that much. When you actually look at the very top percentiles, the really rich people, 
their wages have been actually going up a lot. And when you look at the bottom percentiles, their wages have been, you know, sometimes going down. Exactly. So just for some context, I think it, this is good because it's, it's nice to sort of get a figure. Well, okay, well, so you guys are talking about wages. How much does a family make in America? Yeah, yeah. So uh, the census data out this morning, like we mentioned, said that the overall median household income was $53,657 in 2014. So that wasn't a statistically different change from last year once you adjust for inflation. And, you know, there hasn't been a statistically significant change over the last three years. That's pretty depressing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we started this episode by asking, will you see a raise this year? And Tori and Dan, all you gave us was hedged answers. (laughs) Oh, come on. That's not entirely true. (laughs) I would say, you know, what we know from Econ 101, as you said, says, yes, we should be getting raises soon. But it's Mm -hmm. just not happening. It's not happened for the past six years. So, Well, I know the perfect solution to this. The magic eight ball. Yeah. Okay, let's shake it. Um, Will Americans get a raise this year concentrate a, a big raise question. a big raise uh, a statistically normal. significant raise. <laughs> raise yeah right all okay. right oh god what is it it's the most depressing magic eight ball of all time <laughs> the answer is very doubtful on that note thanks so much for joining us again today and listening to the bloomberg benchmark podcast we will be back next week and until then You can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal as well as Bloomberg.com. We are also on iTunes and Pocket Cast. And while you're there, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and review so that more people can find us. You know, we've had some amazing feedback over the past week since we launched, and we're really excited to be reaching more people. Um, So let us know what you thought of the show. Um, You can talk to us and follow us on Twitter at at AkiIto7, at Tori Stilwell with one L in the middle, and at Dan Moss, DC. See you next week. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.